We are up to Davtes Ahmed Aleph. Okay, so now the, the last thing we're talking about Yevlis, and um, and the last thing he mentioned was about Yevl that um, that you're actually Moisif that we are adding to the to the Yevl. <clears throat> we talked about that even though you blow the Shafer, but he says you start from Rosh Hashanah, and and so yeah, yeah the concept of adding to Yom Kippur. And so on. So we're going to talk about we didn't know the concept of adding bechlal. Maybe any any yomtiv or anything that has a fixed time, that's it. What do you mean you have to add on both ends? Says the Gemara. We know that test on Malaf. Four lines on the top. With the Masifin Mechelal Kedush. How do you know that you have to add to the to Kedusha and and add take off some time of the chel? The Tanya we learned in the Brisa. It says in the Brayse that that on Shabbos you should rest, and then it says that bechodesh or bekatzer tishbais, plowing and and uh, harvesting, you should rest. So why highlight these two malachas? So we're going to say we're not even talking about Shabbos. We're talking about a year that's called Shabbos or Shmita. That the Rebbe Meir says, "Ain't it tzaduch You don't have to say chodesh v'kotzer shal shviy. So, what are we talking about exactly, Shmita? You don't have to tell me that we're talking about don't plow or harvest in, in, in Shmita. Um, why not? It says in Feish Apostolic, "Sadcha leisizer." It says clearly in the Apostolic, you shouldn't plant your field and you shouldn't um, prune your vineyard. So, we know already now that harvest. What the Pasuk is trying to tell you is the Chodesh of Katzatid. We're not talking about Shabbos because Shabbos, you know, there's 39 Malachas, not just two. We're talking about Shemitah, but he's coming to tell you that Shemitah, because you have to rest, we have to add some time to it. So what's he adding? In addition to where the Pasuk says don't plant, he's telling you that that you now have to plow before Shemitah. That goes right into Shmita, or which is within 30 days. So too, if it grew a third in the year of Shmita, you're not allowed to harvest it in the eighth year. In other words, we're adding to the Shmita year on both ends. Rabbi Shmuel disagrees. He says, no, I'll agree with, I'll grant you we're talking about Shmita. However, Shmuel says, Ma Chodish, Sorry, we're not, I'm, not, I'm, sorry. I'm not talking about Shemitah. We're talking about Shabbos. Ah, your question was, we're talking about Shabbos. What do I need a puzzle? You tell me, don't only highlighting these two malachas, and I'll do 39 malachas. It's coming to tell you something um, to uh, put, I guess, um, uh, what do you call it, to, to define what exactly we mean when we say don't plow and don't harvest. Not all plowing is forbidden on Shabbos, not all harvesting is forbidden on Shabbos. As we'll say, as we'll point out, that harvesting which involves a mitzvah or, or, or that involves a mitzvah, for example, cutting for the oymah that has to be done the night of the 16th day of Nisan, then you're allowed to do, permit to do it even on Shabbos. So he says as follows. Ma chodish, we're talking about Shabbos um, now, just like Chodesh plowing definitely is Rishul's, there's no possible case, a scenario of plowing on Shabbos that involves a mitzvah. Because even for the Aymer, there's no mitzvah to plow for the Aymer. You know, go somewhere that's already been plowed. You don't have to plow something specifically for the Aymer. So there's no such thing that plowing is ever really a, a mitzvah. When it comes to planting, there is possibility of a mitzvah. Uh, harvesting, there's a possibility of mitzvah because you have to harvest for the oimah. So just like we tell you that on Shabbos, you're not allowed to plow. 
all plowing is rishus. So too, when we tell you don't harvest on Shabbos, it means anything similar, which is a rishus. But if it's a harvesting of a mitzvah, you may do the Shabbos. Yotzer, ktira shehu mitzvah. Cutting down the oimeh, which is a mitzvah, you're permitted to do that on Shabbos. And even if you found already, you know, the Torah, feel that harvest doesn't help us. You have to go ahead out there and harvest for the sake of the oimeh. So therefore, so if uses cuts and nothing to do with Taisafis to add, it has to do with <clears throat> what kind of Chodesh cuts is also on Shabbos. So the Mora asks Rabbi Shmuel, so how does he know this whole principle of adding? Adding to Yom Kippur. Nafkale, he learns that in Britannia we have a possibility that you should says you should fast on, on Yom Kippur and use the expression you should fast on the ninth day. <clears throat> Who fasts the ninth day? Yochel Betisha, we fast on the ninth day, in the evening. If it's at night, Yochel Meshitach, it means the night of the, even for the night, Tamalan Betisha, on the ninth day. Okay, said, how does it work? You start the ninth and you go into the tenth. Melamed, it comes to teach you that you have to add to him kipper into the let it encroach into the ninth day. <clears throat> All I know is when Yom when Yom Kippur begins. Because it says the ninth day. How do you know that even after Yom Kippur you have to add a little bit? Therefore, the Pazik says, May Erev add Erev from evening towards the evening as well. So, therefore, it tells you it goes into the following night, which night already. And add is including, it means including part of the night. Ain't How do you know? It says in the Pazik here that you should rest. Tishbisu means Shabbos. Yom in so what do we learn from here? Anywhere. Anywhere that there is an idea of resting. Um, you learn from, you add from Chol to Kaddish. Okay, so therefore, according to Rabbi Shmuel, he learns the whole concept of adding to the Shabbos from Yom Kippur. And uh, Rabbi Kippur um, learns it from the Chodesh That's where he learns it from. Says <clears throat> since he 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 doesn't use the pasuk for adding to him kipper. Where does he? What does he do with this pasuk? We need some conversation. Batisha bechayish. Rabbi Kiva, hi, we need some conversation. Batisha bechayish. My What does he do with that pasuk? He needs it for. Look at the turn of Chiva. The turn of Chiva. What did Chiva say? From Divti, he needs some conversation. Batisha, you should fast. On the ninth day, the chibe tisha mesani in valoyus so mesani fast on yom kippur. And Lema tell you, kolo oichel the shoyis bichi. Whoever eats and drinks on the ninth day is milo lokasul. We'll give you the credit kiilu is an as if you fasted chiva see the ninth and tenth day. So basically, we have a machlekes between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Where do you learn adding? And as a result of that, we have a machlekes. What do you do the pasuk when nisim is nafshe seichem? So according to Rabbi Akiva, we learn from there the idea if you eat on Ed of Yom Kippur, you'll get the credit as if you fasted. <clears throat> so uh, it's clear from here that it's a machlekes. And yet in halacha, we paskin both. We add to the Shabbos, and plus we paskin that you have to eat Ed of Yom Kippur. So you mitzvah to eat on Ed of Yom Kippur. 
So now Rebbe Shlomo, therefore, he paskins that eating on Erev Kippur is only a mitzvah of the Rabbana. Because Mahatayda, we can use a pasik for adding to Shabbos and Yom Tov. So we can't use one pasik to teach two disparate halachas. So it must be it's only with the Rabbanan and it's an asmachta. The Rambam actually passed the halacha and I said there is no taste of Shabbos and taste of Yom Tov. And, um, and there, as the Magamish explains. So he uses the Inisa of Zavzaseichem to teach you you have to eat Erev Yom Kippur. So by him, according to the Rambam, it would seem that it would be Mahatayda to eat Erev Yom Kippur. And um, <clears throat> Why does the tailor want you to eat Erev Kippur? Why the Rabbanon? So we have three opinions in Halacha. Either is to make the fast easier for us, the Ebesha is Rahmanus. Other Rishonim say just the opposite, makes the fast harder for us because we eat too much, your stomach wants to, is craving for more food and now you're denying your food. And the mile of that is, so what's so good about that is, so therefore when you, you shed more uh, calories when you uh, fast, when you're a full stomach, so therefore you get more credit because anything, anything that you shed is like you bring a carbon to the Ebesha. And the third opinion of Benyayna, he says, has to do with that. It has to do because Yom Kippur is a Yom Tov, and Yom Tov you should normally have a Siddur. You can't. So therefore, we bring the Siddur forward to, Tisha, to, to the ninth day of, of Tishrei. So that day, the ninth day, the meal that we're eating, that is our Siddur's Yom Tov. And the enough in between all of these explanations is what happens somebody knows he's not going to fast Yom Kippur because the doctor told him not to. They still have a mitzvah to eat on Ed of Yom Kippur. If it's as a preparation for Yom Kippur or to make it more difficult, then no, it's all mitzvah. But if it's that's the Yom Tov Sudar Yom Kippur to do on, Tisha, on the ninth day, then so be it, and that is it. And this is also uh, one of the reasons why um, we eat Kreplach on Purim, Hishana Rabba, and on Erev Yom Kippur. The idea of Kreplach is the best part of Kreplach is completely camouflaged and covered over by the, the by the flour, <clears throat> by the pastry. It is the meat that's inside that's the best part. So you have three on time on the calendar that is so dis- that is so concealed you don't even realize that's a yamtif. So at, at Purim, the Gemara actually said they want to make a yamtif, but didn't. It's a really yamtif, but a lot of work, so it's hardly noticeable. Hashana Rabbah. Shana Rabbah is the last din Rabbah. We push away Shabbos, but nevertheless, nobody realizes it's a yamtif. And then Erebim Kippur. Erebim Kippur is a mitzvah because that is the yamtif sudda. Yet nobody realizes it's a yamtif. Okay, so let's continue. Torah what we learned. We learned it says in the passage we're talking about Yehovah, so it says the 50th year you should sanctify and you should proclaim freedom throughout the land. And it's in, and it is Yehovah for all the dwellers. And then it says everybody goes back home and so on and so forth. But first, the passage says the first passage says you should blow Shaifer in order to pro- proclaim that this is uh Yom Kippur and that it, this is Yehovah. And then it says you should do this thing, and what happens is. It's it says Yevul he it is Yevul and what happens Yevul he that everyone goes back and that means everyone goes back to their property and everybody goes back to their homes right all the slaves are set free everybody goes back to their home and then the next passage says it's Yevul and don't plant like Schmidt says the Gemara so what is it that brings out Yevul Talmud we learned Yevul he it is Yevul so a couple of things happen on Yevul. A couple of you have is that you shouldn't plow your fields, you shouldn't plant your fields. The slaves go back home, the properties go back, and you blow shaifer. So we learn it says it says the passage, Yevil he, this is Yevil. What do you mean Yevil? This is Yevil. So we dashin, even though you didn't meet all the criteria, Afapi, Shalai Shamtu, 
even though you didn't get treated like like Shemitah, um, even though you didn't do the foul, even though you didn't blow Shafer, yeah, um, even though you didn't blow Shafer, you didn't leave the land fallow, you didn't do all those things you're supposed to do. And so you didn't, something, you didn't bring the property back. You didn't return. Because what happened in Yevil is that all the properties go back to the rightful owner. Even though you didn't do that, you didn't bring the properties back to the rightful owners, which is called Schmidt's Kakois, and nor did you um, blow the Shafer. Nevertheless, it's still treated as Yevil. That therefore you're not allowed to plant, you're not allowed to harvest, all that didn't apply to Yevil. Since you don't have to meet those criteria, even though you didn't send the slaves back home as well. That you need, you still have to do something. If you did this, it will be Yevil. If you didn't do this, it's not Yevil. So according to this, what's the most pivotal thing for Yevil is the slave freedom. Freedom is that the slaves go back home. The other things are extra. But if the slaves go back home, you have to treat like Yevil, you know, a plant and all that. Now, the agent says, no, that isn't that integral, uh, that's not an integral part of Yevu. What is it? Even though you didn't send the slaves back home, it's still Yevu. That Yevu says that it's Yevu, even though you didn't you know, return property, even though you didn't send back slaves, as long as you need to blow Shafer. So according to Rabbi Yesi, what's, what's uh, critical is the blowing of the Shafer. According to Rabbi Huda, what's critical is the slaves go back home, so there is freedom. So you have two have the word Yevil, which includes everything. And then you have the word He, which comes to limit. Rabbi Yesi is explaining that himself. Why does he say that the most important thing is is a blowing shaker. You able he afa pishal shokin we didn't send the slaves back. The ain't you able and can't talk, but the only thing that you must do is blowing shaker. What's the difference? I'll tell you why. Fisha Fisha It is possible not to have slaves. Could be that no one in the world like today, no one in the world has has Jewish slaves to set free. So therefore the tailor is not going to make it contingent upon something that could be and never happen. But the don't tell me that there's a possibility that nowhere in the world will you be able to find the shepherd. Of course not. So therefore, because you have animals. So therefore, when the Torah says that Yevil is dependent on something, it has to be something that's always available. It's always possible. And what is that? Blowing the shepherd. So that's Rabbi Yesus explaining himself why shepherd is pivotal and not uh, releasing slaves. Another you want to know another reason? I'll give you another reason why Shafer is, 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 is a critical and not this, uh, releasing slaves. That the Shafer, who blows the Shafer? It's the Bezin that blows the Shafer. And they instruct everybody now it's you able to do whatever you have to do. However, sending setting, um, the, the slaves free, it has to do with individual people. And let's say um, if people refuse to set them free, let's say they do have slaves, refuse to set them free, it's, it's an individual thing. So we don't have control. Therefore, if the Tater says that Yevil is dependent on something, it has to be something we have control, like blowing the Shafer, which is given over to Bezin. The Bezin will do the right thing. Tater will not make it contingent upon something that we, the Bezin, don't have control, which is setting the slave in a slave free. Why do you have to give a second explanation? You already explained it. The Shafer is, is always available, it's ubiquitous. And and Shalua Chabad is not always available. That's a good enough answer. What do you have to also answer me whether we're in control or not? If you're going to argue and say, 
So he might argue me, how's it possible? Nowhere in the entire world, maybe you don't see an exostrop. In the entire world, you don't have one person to set his evidence free. So Lechayda, it's always possible. How do you know the Taylor didn't make contingent upon setting up on him free? Just because you don't see an exostrop, there must be somewhere in the world with an evidence someone can set him free. If I give you the second answer, if you want to argue that way, I give you a second answer is Zoom is the Bezin, Zoom is the Bezin. This is in the hands of the Bezin, and this is not in the hands of the Bezin. Says he about a beast, the Abyss explains it very nice why he thinks blowing the shaifer is, is, is critical to bring upon, set upon, you know, you know bring upon a Siebel while the other things are not. But Rabbi Huda came along and said, no, the main thing that sets the Yevil is the setting free of the Avod. Where does Rabbi Huda get this from? On my crock, the pastor says clearly, what are you going to do on Yevil? The main thing of Yevil is Ukorosim Duroid Ba'aretz. You should go ahead and proclaim freedom in the land to all those dwellers. And therefore, and he, therefore he says, Sovereignly hold, Mikro Nidrish Lefanov. That the, the last thing that uh, it talks about the thing before it, and therefore, when it says Yei will he, so what's Yei will he? Only across some dry. You said call freedom, and then it says Yei will he. So obviously, Yei will he is referring to the thing that was written right before it, and that is freedom. Freedom is slaves can go back home. The passing before talks about uh, blowing shaifim. That's called lifnei fun of. It's a passing before a passing. And the, we don't say that this part of the, of the passing goes back to psukim. So the mikra nidish lefanov, that the passing, you read the flow of the passing. It says, this is Yevuli, this is Yevuli, what's Yevuli? Based on the word I just said, cross and the He says, cross and the And you can proclaim freedom. That's setting the slaves free. But don't go back to the passing before then where it talks about shaykhah. Okay, that's the argument. Says everyone agrees the word droid means freedom. My mashma. How does droid mean freedom? What is a def and the now really is, is saying what is a definition of freedom? The Tanya we learned. Ain droid means free. Why does droid droid normally means a dwelling? So why does a dwelling mean free? You want to know the, the definition of droid? This Friday is not droid. Even though they call it, um, you know, release, it's not release. Because you know what freedom is? You can live where, uh, in total control wherever you want to live. You can take your merchandise and move around the entire country. Amazing. The definition of freedom is that you can freedom of movement. That's the definition of freedom, which we're not getting this weekend, unfortunately. Anyhow, so you want to continue these two opinions of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda, that, what, that you don't need all three criteria, you don't need setting the slaves free, you don't need to return the properties and blow the shaifah, one of them is enough. Now, it's only which one. Rabbi Yehuda says blowing the shaifah is the most important thing, and Rabbi Yehuda says setting the slaves free. But there's a third opinion. In order for you able to be treated as Yehuda, as all the Yisurim kick in, it's only if you have all three things, that slaves are set free, properties are returned to the rightful owners, if someone made a sale during the 50 years, it goes back at the end of the by, by Yevil and the blowing of the shaykh, because they hold mikra nidish lifanov, the lifnefanov, the posse goes before, which talks about freedom of slaves. It goes lifnefanov, which talks about shaykh. Ul akhrav and talks about the property should go back. That's the, the written afterwards. It says the shachtim ishalach, it says later on, the next posse talks about the property should go back to the rightful owner. And that's also um, where it says the shachtim ishalach and so on. Says the Gemara, 
yeah, you're telling me that that is very limited that you're able to only be can only happen if it meets all three criteria. But the word Yehovah itself is coming is expansive, it's coming to include. What's it coming to include? Look, see who you know to come to include the afilu coming to tell you that even in chutzla aretz they have to follow yevul. Says the Gemara, what do you mean? Well, see, it says the passing by eretz. It says the korosim derayi by eretz. You know, that was where over aretz only in Israel. Ahu, what that means is bezman shenoyeg derayi by aretz noyeg the chutzla aretz. Bezman sheenu noyeg derayi by aretz enu noyeg the chutzla aretz. Even the Chuzlars have to set the slaves and all that. But when, as long as Ba'aretz, as long as Netasrol, they meet the criteria, then the entire world has to follow it. So the word Yevil is expansive to tell you it's not limited to Netasrol. And the word He is coming to tell you that in order to be Yevil, you have to meet all three criteria, setting slaves free, returning the properties, and, and blowing the shaykhah. The next case in the Mishnah is that Rosh Hashanah is for the Tia. That Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah for plants. The tea is really a sapling, and then we have an elon. When the sapling grows a couple of years down the track, it becomes a tree. So here's very interesting. You know, we all know that the third year, after three years, first three years, any fruits that grow on the tree on the sapling is called arla. It's forbidden. You don't have to eat. You don't have no nothing. Then the next year is called revai. The fourth year, which you would have to bring it to the shlang, which we don't, so we don't eat either. And then the fifth year is only when you're permitted to eat from the fruits. How do you calculate these years? It seems to the Mishnah very simple. You calculate the years by Tishrei, right? You have to have Rosh Hashanah, and, uh, and, and as long as you start 30 days before, so that's already considered the year, and then you know you count Rosh Hashanah. So where does Tu Bishvat come in? What's Tu Bishvat Rosh Hashanah Lee What is that all about? So before we go inside, the calculation works as follows. If you planted it, if you planted it with uh, before 30 days, let's say you planted a month above, so that year becomes one year. And then the next year becomes the next year, and then third year is the third year. So now you're Rosh Hashanah two years and two months later, right? Which, which legally is considered three years. You think your Arla expires, but it doesn't. It doesn't expire, your Arla, because um, now it's no longer a sapling, it's a tree. And as a tree, it, it grows from the sap that's inside the tree, and you're growing from the sap of last year. Therefore, any fruits that blossom between Rosh Hashanah of the fourth year, let's say, until until Tubishvat, it's considered third year fruits because it grew from the sap of the tree. So Tubishvat, so it's really more it's really more than just Rosh Hashanah. It has to go all the way to Tubishvat. Any fruits that start growing after Tubishvat in the fourth year is considered the fourth year and it is permitted. So it's another and the reason the logic behind the way Rashi and other Shem learned is the logic behind it is we cut off the first year. So whatever we, we cut off the first year, we have to add a little bit to the last year. The first year, all you had is a month, a month and a half, and we said it's treated like a whole year. You have to make some of that up when it comes to the following year, so the third year, so you have what? If we're always to Bishvat. In other words, following Rashi's line of reasoning, if let's say you planted it the first year, if you planted it between Rosh Hashanah and to Bishvat, which then means, and so that's considered a full year, but you also went through to Bishvat. So then in that case there, you'd, so you'll have like, a, you'll, you'll, you made up, you have two years and seven months. So when it comes to Tishrei of the third, of the you finish your three years, Tishrei, you don't have to wait for Tubishra anymore. Now you can eat the fruit straight away. Or oh, it's the fourth year, if you wait in the fourth year, now you can eat straight away. You don't have to wait for Because the whole idea of Tubishra is to add, you took off so much on the other end, you know, if you planted it after Tubishra year number one, so you, you missed out a number of months, 
We add it back in year number three, number four. That is how Rashi learns. Others learn that regardless of when you plant in year number one, you always have to wait to Bishvat because it grew from the sap of the tree of the year number three or year number four, and we need only the fruits of after to Bishvat is considered growing now this year. Now let's learn more. Says the Gemara Benolon, how do you know that when it comes to the Tia, it's Tishrei. The Gemara explains, it says the Posig, Sholosh Shonim, three years, Arelim, three years, the fruits are considered an Orlam, and you're not allowed to eat it, look, see, and then it says, the fourth year, and the fourth year, you bring it up with you to Yerushalayim. And therefore, because it was Shona Shona, the Yalit Shona Shona Metishrei, and we learn out this is Mereshis Hashana the Achlan Shona says by Tishrei. So therefore, we'll say we mean Tishrei. The same as the Pasuk Mereshis Hashana says the Gemara of Yosef Shona by Nisim Veligame Shona Shona Menisim. Why don't we learn out Veligma Shona Shona Menisim? Why don't we learn out Shona Shona from Nisim? The Chesiv it says Rishon Hu Lachem Lachotche Hashana. We already said before Donin Shona Sheeni Mechadashim. It's more similar to, to uh, Tishrei because both of them it says the word Shana without adding Chedish. So we learn Shana that had, does not couple with Chadashim. The Shana She'enim Chadashim. The Ain Donim, we do not compare Shana She'enim Chadashim. Shana that doesn't have, the, it's not coupled with Chadashim. Meshana She'yesh Im Chadashim. Shana that does have Chadashim. In the Braisa, Echad Hanoiteya, whether you plant, you're planting seeds and you're planting a sapling. The echad hamavrich, or whether, as Rashi explains, mavrich is that you take one of the branches and you bend it over and you put the other end into the ground so it starts sprouting into a new tree. You have to start all over again. The echad market, whether you are grafting, grafting into another tree is also considered as if it's starting afresh. And you, actually, even the Shayan talk about it, it's not so simple because other places it says grafting is not orla. So it depends what you grafted it to. If you grafted it, you know, first it depends what Trace explains. If it's still attached to its original tree, then and just grafted it into another tree as well, it does not have a new look because it's still part of the original tree. <clears throat> if you severed it from the original tree, it starts afresh and you start counting the, the years of our look. <clears throat> or it depends whether it goes to a fruit tree or non-fruit tree. So, Erev <clears> Shviz, <throat> um, if you did it prior to Shemitah, if you did it a minimum of 30 days prior to Rosh Hashanah, we will treat that as a full year, number one, as far as Arla is concerned, and we'll also treat it as, a, um, as if you started it before Shemitah year, and therefore you could benefit from it. Also, Shana is treated like a full year, and till, till, you know, when you come to Rosh Hashanah, so that's it, year number one has just elapsed. Um, you're allowed to continue with it in the year of Shemitah because we add, we learned before, the Chodesh, you have to add to Shemitah, which means you add 30 days. There's two reasons why. Either because, like Rashi says, you have to add to Shemitah 30 days, and that's why the criteria is 30 days, but also it takes 30 days for it to take root. If it's less than 30 days, it never took root in the ground, just sitting there on the ground. When it comes to trees, it comes to plants, it's three days. When it comes to trees, it's 30 days. Um, but Pachas Mishleshi Yom Hashanah, if let's say he did a week before Rosh Hashanah, then it's not considered a year. And uh, for the first year only starts on Rosh Hashanah. And but also the Kaim Mishviz. It's as if you planted it on Shemitah, and you cannot have any benefit from Shemitah. Then he continues, the Pedas, the Tiazu, Asurim, but even comes to year number three, you know, you finish your three years of Arlo. Let's say you planted it in the Shemitah of. And, and and then two years and two months later, we just said you three years elapsed. So three years and two months later, you four years elapsed. We don't say, oh, now you can start eating straight away. No. 
You still have to wait for two bishvat because any fruits that have blossomed between now and two bishvat is considered last year's fruit. Only those things which begin to blossom after two bishvat is considered this year's fruit. How do we know that we carry over to Ulcheri? You would think as soon as Shana comes along, that's it. Tishri comes along, and that's it. The year's up. Why do you have to wait till two bishvat? And they bring it over and they mean and they bring it over also in the name of Rabbiyane. And that is, and other people are leaning towards saying it's Rabbiyane. On Makra, if you look at the Pasig, when it talks about the third year and the fourth year, it adds a verb. So you look at the Pasig before when it says that it's Orla. And instead of saying this is a new Pasig, which means, and what about the fourth year? Also, U and um, um, the conjunction of uh, and brings it the, uh, to uh, attaches it to the pasuk uh, before, which is it's the third year. It's arla uba shana including it goes into the spills into the fourth year till two bishvat. So Omar says the pasuk uba shana and in the fourth year it's part of arla. Then it says in the pasuk as well, and the fourth year you have to bring it with you to shleim. And the next pasuk says, and the fifth year you can go ahead and eat it. Again it says, and in the fifth year, so take the and and bring it forward. As if the pasuk where it says you got to bring to the shlaim says, and in fifth year also you got to bring to the shlaim till to bishvat. Uba shavrei pa'amim on occasion shebelevius vadayin asuda mishumala. It's a fourth year and yet forbidden for um, when if it grew before to bishvat. Upa'amim shebelechemishin. If you find it on the fifth year when you would think that all the fruits are not permitted, vadayin asuda, and it's growing on the tree, it's asur. Why? Mishum revive because it's before to bishvat. So therefore, that's how we know that Tu Bishvat is really the turning point. And uh, we'll see the, tomorrow tomorrow why 30 days, usually we say one day is considered a year. We'll continue tomorrow in Mitzvah